You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. What happens when a town like Temple, Texas or Spartanburg, South Carolina go 100% corporate medicine? Well, unlike a Walmart retail displacement, prices only rise instead of drop when a big city monopoly buys every independent in the town. And that's happened in hundreds of towns in America. So now the big system can now feed patients into what I'll call the meat of their sausage factory. Is that a big deal and does it really matter? Well, let me answer the question with a question. Why are our national outcomes ranked below Croatia, but a slightly better than Cuba, when we spend almost double what the Swiss spend? We're the, they're the number two ranked in spending per capita. It's embarrassing. So here's exactly what happens at the stroke of midnight the day an independent doctor sells. Sell isn't the word, it's more like a shotgun wedding because they're forced to sell. Every pressure you can imagine that's bring, brought to bear on them makes them have to leave independent practice from every direction. Well, here's what happens at the stroke of midnight. Prices double or triple or quadruple. In fact, infinity is the accurate word. And your insurance pays for it, so you don't really see it. You feel it, though, because you have to go through your deductible. Everything just went up and double. And your doctor's burnout only increases. We know it never decreases when they go work for the man. Why? Because they work for the man. Errors increase. We know this, too. Medical errors are the number three cause of death after cancer and cardiac. We lost my wife's mom because of a medical error. Maybe somebody you love was lost to a medical error too. And maybe you don't even know it was a medical error because maybe it was hidden. Okay, now there's more imaging when the doctor gets purchased by the system. Every 13 seconds, a worthless test is ordered in America. And there's more hospital referrals, of course, because Papa needs more meat into the factory. So I'm not anti-hospital and nobody I know is anti-hospital. Tyler, Texas has a saying, they say, them's good people. Hospital people are good people. They just work in a really crummy model. And now with this pandemic and Marshall Plan, it gives every system a doubled strategic fund. In fact, the top 20 systems, for those that listen to the show know, has 105 billion to match the 100 plus billion they collected from the Marshall Plan. They didn't need a Marshall Plan bailout. They needed the number of a good stockbroker and a bond salesman and a venture capital guy and a private equity people on Wall Street. So they also need the number of the local country club because they're swimming in cash right now. Now the bigs can finally finish what they started and buy all the rest of the independent hard scrabble primary care physicians left, which is about 30% of the doctors out there. The 45% of specialists that they don't own, they can finish them off too and make them part of the system because they got to have more meat. Independence got slaughtered by this pandemic. For the last nine to 10 weeks, they've had zombie patient volume, whether you're a specialist or whether you're an independent primary care physician. And now there's a ton of shotgun weddings being planned by these delighted hospital wedding planners that are acquiring. Yay. 
That's not a future where everyone wins, guys. And today I introduce you to a future where everyone wins. I too am delighted, like the hospital wedding planner, to introduce you, because this may be, in my judgment, my most important show I've done in 75 shows. Because my guest and her client represents a refreshing new way to buy healthcare, and it's called Go Direct. So if you've been reading what I write on LinkedIn, I talk about direct contracting. You're gonna learn all about that today from people that know exactly what they're talking about. You skip the middles, the waste, the administration, the hidden games, the hat tricks, and now you're playing ball directly with the providers that are delivering services without a bunch of middlemen. And it has a name, direct contracting. Direct contracting with imaging, with medications, with docs, with labs, all of it. You can direct contract with every player in that ecosystem. It makes the employer the hero, and you're gonna meet one of them today. And now the employee is the alpha consumer, and we're all that. And the doctors are now happy, prosperous, and gets back to the well care, not the sick care model. Gets away from factory medicine, back to true care, and no more machinery feeling like you're a piece of meat if you're a patient, a doctor, or an employer, even. So you can't do these best practices going direct without a visionary architect, engineer, and general contractor all rolled into one. You're going to meet that person today, too. But first, meet a happy client. Charlie Cano started as the engineer, but led now for the last 14 years as CEO of the local Wi-Fi and cable provider called Etex. And they have a 3,700 square mile radius in Northeast Texas, where they provide 5G digital revolution, which is Wi-Fi for your home and cable for your home. And he's been there since the fiber wars, and now he's doing the 5G wars. Now meet Rachel Means. She is that architect, engineer, and contractor who strips out the middlemen and provides lean optimized health benefits. Consulting with a super neat little hat trick of her own, she discloses 100% of her fees for delivering this high value care plan and she'll drop the cost for you very quickly, 30 and as much as 60% over time below the old school plans that people are used to. Every client, yep. So she's a 16 year veteran who was trained in Houston, Texas at the big advisors in the shell game maneuverings and she worked for those large consultants and learned how to play those games and it disgusted her. All the many, many hidden commissions weren't right in her book. So a former Gallagher guy told me that there's 17 to 20 different hidden fees built in undisclosed into the average health benefit. I don't know if you heard that, so I'm gonna repeat it. 17 to 20 different commissions and fees are built into every employee health benefit for the broker. I didn't know that. So disgusted, Rachel Means moved to bustling Tyler, Texas to set up her own shop and now she helps employers with 30 to 100,000 lives insured across all over the Southern United States, but Texas is Rachel's heart. I'm super honored to have you both on this very important show. How are y'all doing today? We're great, how are you, Ron? Well, after all that, are you still great? Did I I'm overstate it? <laughs> no, you did great. You understated it, in my opinion. Okay. Well, so why don't we start, Charlie, with you? And um, how did you meet Rachel? And what was your problems and your issues you were dealing with at the time before you met with her? And what's been solved since you met Rachel? Well, I met Rachel through, uh, I guess, a, a new employee for her that had that was familiar with our company and the previous third-party administrators that were handling our consulting for us. So there was an introduction made and during a, a lunch hour, you know, me being the, an engineer and know all about telecommunic, uh, telecommunications and, and engineering, I like to study the details. And in that one hour, I realized that I had zero knowledge on the healthcare 
model and all, like you mentioned, all the hidden fees and all the lack of transparency. So it was very, uh, very eye-opening for me to have somebody sitting across the table and being 100% transparent, telling me where all the hidden, hidden formulas and tricks were and helping me identify where we could save a lot of money and be more educated and help our employees at the same time. When you started the first year, you've been with Rachel now three years or four years? Going on four years. So when you started with Rachel, she initially did what to help you save on your healthcare spend? Well, the number one thing was to change PBMs so we, we would have a more transparent model uh, and for us to realize what the spend was just, just on medications. You know, those, those, are, those averages are typically going to be very consistent. There, there's some big dollar medications out there, but we just had no knowledge. We, we thought that we paid what, what we had to pay and didn't realize that there was opportunities for us to negotiate that, uh, find some better price points. So that was the number one thing that she brought to the table is educating us on saving money on just on the pharmaceutical side. Okay, so a PBM is a pharmacy benefit manager, in case people don't know. So, um, so we switched to pharmacy and we were able to bring costs down by roughly how much? Do you have a sense of that, Rachel? Uh, 50% immediately. Um, one of the, the biggest um, outliers with Charlie's plan on the pharmacy side is they didn't, they had no idea the high cost drugs they were spending money on. Um, you know, it's typical in a self-funded plan. You get the invoice, you pay it, you don't have any data and, and nobody tells you otherwise. Um, so when uh, Charlie let me look at their plan, the first low piece of low hanging fruit was that uh, the PBM and the spend. So immediately same drugs, um, same access, same pharmacies, actually lower co-pays, immediately save them 50%. And we do that year over year on the pharmacy plan. Uh, so Rachel, let me ask you, is one of the strategies, and I know you've got a ton of them up your sleeve, to use a local pharmacy so you can support the local Tyler community um, while you're bringing costs down for ETEX? Yes, so uh, so most of the time we do a, bi a big hybrid. Um, you know, the big goal is to, to cut the middleman out between um, the consumer and who ultimately pays the bill, which is the employer group. So we go to our local pharmacies, we let them price for us. Um, sometimes they're not competitive on the, the higher cost drugs and we have to use a different avenue to source those. But absolutely, you know, um, local pharmacies are, are dying because of the DIR fees that they have to pay to these PBMs. So realistically, the PBMs have taken the money from these pharmacies and they can't survive. So anytime you can partner with the local pharmacy owner to deliver lower co-pays and lower costs to the company, it's a win-win for the community. So I don't want to denigrate PBMs, but my understanding, I don't understand something about PBMs and you do understand them. The three biggest in the country are owned by upstream and downstream people they're supposed to be negotiating with. How in the world are you supposed to negotiate with the pharmacy you're buying it from, the pharmacy you're delivering it to, the, the middleman you're sourcing it from? I, they, they own so many layers of this non-transparent chain. You're basically negotiating with your boss for discounts, that doesn't make any sense to me. Is that, am I smoking dope or am I on top of this? <laughs> no, you're, you're smoking the weed. Um, yeah, so uh, that's correct. There are actually five to six layers between the drug manufacturer to the employer group who pays the invoice. And so you're right. Um, you don't, when you're with, actually it's the four biggest now, um, one actually just bought an insurance company, um, perverse incentives much. Um, you know, and that's, and then you get into the whole rebate game, Ron. Um, you know, when I met Charlie and his team, 
they had no idea 30% of their spend was supposed to be given back to them every year. No clue. And so, you know, we start digging, where are the rebates? Where, who's keeping the rebates? And um, that was another big discussion just on education of what is a pharmacy rebate? Why do we have pharmacy rebates? Why can't we just have lower cost up front? Um, so ultimately it's a lot of education. And, and we spent a lot of time on pharmacy with Charlie's company just because that was just the lowest hanging fruit immediately. And so once we got that fixed, we started moving on to our other initiatives, but you're correct. You're correct that you cannot negotiate with the big PBMs because it's, um, it's the cartel in my opinion. So we had Vijay Patel, who's part of non, he's not part of the cartel. He was on our show. He has what he calls a transparent PBM where he says, I'm going to take 10% from this side, 10% from that side. It's all going to be fully disclosed and there's no more rebate games, no more hat tricks, no more shell games. So uh, do you feel sometimes like um, he, he made it pretty clear on the show, that episode, that it's kind of a game of three card Monty. They're hiding the card from you that you think you're going to get. If you think you're getting the 30% rebate, um, you know, Mr. Kano, you know, maybe you're not getting it. You didn't even weren't even told you should be getting it. Were you a little upset when you found out there was something you should be getting you weren't getting? Well, definitely, you know, definitely upset, but also, you know, a lot of shame on me for not, for not doing the research that I needed to, you know, I, I had the confidence on the engineering side, but I never did study the, the health benefits side, which was the second highest spend that we have as a, as a corporation. So uh, definitely upset that, that there was that trust that was, you know, violated, you know, with our consultant at the time, our broker at the time. But now, now knowing better, and which is why I, I love being on these kinds of conversations, want to educate all the other executives out there that, that your number one or number two spin in your, in your company needs to get the same level of attention as what your you know, skill sets are. It's, all, it's interesting. Everybody has a senior vice president of HR, director of HR, VP of HR. They have somebody that's in charge of the people part, which is labor is almost always going to be the biggest spin. But there's very there's no real title, I guess CFO would come closest to it for somebody who should really be managing this giant division called healthcare spend. There's, there almost should be a, a chief of healthcare spend, shouldn't there? I agree with that. And when, I and think between, Charlie's become that. <laughs> between, between me and my CFO, we are the co-chiefs of healthcare spend because we, we focus a lot. And again, we, we owe it all to, to Rachel and her team to educate us on that, but we definitely pay a lot of attention to that. Uh, every month. Okay, well, let's have some fun with my favorite subject, which is direct primary care. Um, Rachel, when you started this um, idea of going direct contracting, you didn't really have what you needed. And so you've helped create um, a company that you don't have ownership in, that is direct primary care clinics in Northeast Texas. So in Lufkin, and Longview, and in Tyler, you now have some terrific partners there. Tell us what, what that's meant to you to have a direct primary care relationship that you can scale in that area. So yeah, uh, we 75% of my uh, self-funded block of business out in the East Texas area, Northeast Texas utilizes direct primary care. And we are going on four years in that model. And the, the number one, yes, it saves a ton of money. Um, but to me, it's the patient experience. Um, when you have a sick child, you don't wanna go sit in an urgent care clinic for an hour and a half with people coughing everywhere. When you can get on, on the Spruce app, virtual, you can go into the brick and mortar, it costs you zero dollars. Um, if your child has to get an x-ray, you're immediately referred to the local imaging clinic that we have direct agreements with. It's a $35 x-ray instead of a $350 x-ray. And you don't have to pay for that. The member has zero out-of-pocket costs for anything sourced through the DPC clinic 
Whereas prior, you know, an e-tax employee that maybe is a $35,000 a year um, uh, paycheck, they go and they're having to spend, you know, a hundred bucks on an x-ray for their child. And so to me, you know, having happier clients with their employees when you walk in at their Christmas party and they hug you um, and tell you how great their healthcare experience is. I don't know many people that say, man, I really love my health insurance plan these days. So, so to me and my team especially, um, it's a very gratifying experience. Number one, to be able to save the client a ton of money, but number two, bring the healthcare experience back to the consumer. Um, that's, that's been the biggest thing for us. Yeah, so let's take this now to the employee level, Charlie. The, <clears throat> the employees have no copay, no deductible, no premium. So everybody who was paying three or 400 bucks a month just got a raise, didn't they? They did. They did. And even, even before the money savings and, and, you know, that feel good part of that story, you know, there's a lot of legwork that has taken, that has to be done up front. And that is the trust factor with your employees to maybe leave the doctor that they've been used to all their lives. They thought that the normal was to go into a waiting room for an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, it's hard to break them away from that comfort zone thinking that that's just the way things are. So getting the trust and, and allowing them to experiment and, and go, just go try this at no cost um, was one factor, the emotional trust that, that you get from the employees. But yes, definitely they got a raise. And then just the emotional raise, which is really more important to me than, than the numerical, the financial one, is the fact that they feel good, the morale of having better attention, uh, quicker access in and out is definitely a bigger gain for us than, than any kind of hundred or $200 raise. So let me tell you what you and I have in common, Charlie, is that we're both early adopters and we're a little bit crazy. And a lot of early adopters get pioneers in their back, right? Cause they're the pioneer. Uh, they got arrows in the pioneer back, but um, I started a direct primary care relationship two years ago. And I want to hear if your experience is similar to mine. I can recruit now. Um, I used to have to interview 60 to 80 to get four A players on board that I needed in this past January. On the fifth interview, my team said, we're done. We got our four A players. I went, what? What about the other 54 you have lined up? And they said, we're done. We got our A players. What do we put in our ad? Free healthcare. Boy, does that attract A players. Does that help you with your recruitment to have uh, this direct primary care relationship and these, this no healthcare cost uh, model? Definitely. That's, that's, one of the, uh, that's one of the key components that we use to recruit employees. You know, we, we have very rich benefits. You know, we, we're a high-tech telecommunications provider out in rural America, you know, we're, we live out here away from the big cities where there's not the big entertainment uh, and not the big salaries that you typically would see in a, in a big city. So the benefits definitely compensate for that. And so that's, that's been an easy recruitment. In fact, we have lines and lines of people wanting to work for, for our company. Uh, we have very little churn, very little turnover on our employees, which is a good thing because we, we, do, uh, we do our due diligence to hire good people and we keep them for a very long time. So it's a good position to be, is to not have to be looking for new employees all the time. But when we do, we, they, they realize that this is a company that takes care of the employees, not only with the benefits, but just the culture as well. So Rachel, even if you weren't saving them 30 to 60%, your clients are seeing what Charlie just described as essentially low to no turnover as well. I had zero turnovers for the first time in my 30 plus year career as a CEO, I've never had zero turnover. Uh, everybody that wanted a job, had a job, kept a job. Are you seeing that across the board for your, you have 215,000 clients uh, or employees, I should say of you know hundreds of clients. What is your experience with turnover and retention and attraction with these plans you're creating? 
Well, Ron, you know, it's, it's because I work in multiple different industries. Um, a lot of them, one of the biggest compliments that I can, I, I can or my team gets is that we definitely are helping recruit and retain. You know, it's hard to leave a healthcare plan when you have zero dollar out of pocket, zero dollar RX copays if you go to the local pharmacies, and no deductible when you when you have these certain procedures done. And then you have to go over to the um, corporate chain that has a location here, and they have a five thousand dollar deductible, and you're a twelve dollar an hour employee. So it's it's essentially um, it's been an evolving. Uh, it's funny because you never think about being in my space the recruiting and retention tool of everything that you put your heart and soul into. So that's been very gratifying the last few years. Um, I do hear that a lot, more so often, um, just because I think of the COVID madness and everything that's been happening the last few months, um, definitely uh, is a huge factor in recruiting and retention. And we, we hear that more and more daily. I gotta tell you, there's, there's a sort of a society benefit too, in that most of my employees are single, female, Hispanic, uh, in Houston, San Antonio, throughout all of Texas. Uh, that's 99% of my MAs are, are that. And they were on Medicaid because you can have a baby for free on Medicaid. Whoop-de-doo, that's terrific. You know, it's a $7,000 procedure for nothing. But the problem is now that kid gets pink eye or they get an ear infection or maybe they got a urine, urinary tract infection themselves and now they've got to go into a Medicaid clinic and they have to deal with basically extremely long waits, extremely long lines, hacking and coughing and crying babies all around you. And it's a time suck. And some people are worried about losing their jobs because it's a half a day out to check your kid out of school and go do that. And, and, and frankly, you know, I know people that can't afford their vaccines on Medicaid because they're just, they can't afford these copays. So um, we have gotten people off Medicaid onto these plans because they, again, have no cost free access, immediate front door access to these doctors. What, what is the typical wait um, for Charlie? One of, oh, actually, uh, speaking as a patient, uh, for you as a patient, what's the longest wait you've ever had to go see one of these primary care doctors? Wow, uh, I just walk in the door and don't even have a chance to sit down in a waiting room when they say, Charlie, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're ready for you. Are you given a clipboard or do you have a clipboard they have to fill out a bunch of patient history? <laughs> no, you know, once, once we get onboarded, uh, you know, you're, you're ready to just talk to the, the doctor. The nurse checks you out, does whatever she needs to do, and the doctor's in there within minutes. So it's, it's been an amazing, uh, it's, it's almost like being part of a private group that, you know, you, you feel like a VIP. So a, a $10, $12 an hour employee or a hundred, you know, plus, you know, an hour employee is treated the same. They come in and, and have the same level of, you know, zero to a couple minutes wait, and they come back feeling really good about their experience. Okay, so you walk straight in, you get to see the doc right away. They do the pulse ox, the blood pressure. They maybe check your height, your weight, your vision, and then you're in, you're talking to a doctor. And how long are you in with a doctor typically? Is it 15 minutes and he or she is typing into their computer, ignoring you the whole time, or are they giving you eye contact? <laughs> Definitely, there's no computer in, in that room. You know, they, they, they take their notes, you know, after you leave, uh, input all of that. So it's nothing but 100% uh, focus on, on the patient. So it's, it's, I haven't seen any of that take place. Feel pressure that, hey, move on. I got another couple of behind you today. You're fully scheduled. <laughs> no. well, and I don't, today. You know, Ron, I think the biggest thing is, have you ever had your physician just reach out to you via text on your app saying, hey, just checking in, made sure you got in to see your back injection guy okay, everything fine, do you need me? 
I don't know about you, but my normal physician, um, and God love her, she's amazing, but I call at 8.30 in the morning and I get a return phone call between 4.45 and 5, but I'm not sitting there waiting by the phone. I have to wait a full, another 24 hours to get access to that, that physician. And, and so, you know, breaking away from that model and seeing the patient satisfaction and just the attention and bringing it back to the patient and the physician has just been an incredible experience for, for me and my team. And I know Charlie and, and his employees truly appreciate it. So, so I'm just here to tell you, having done this show now for a year and a half, that this is the consumer experience everybody that's in direct primary care finds as a patient. I can speak as an employer, as Charlie can. I can speak as an, a patient, as Charlie can. And it's exactly the same everywhere I am as everywhere Charlie is. And it's everywhere across the country like this. So this, we're not describing some new whiz bang idea. This has been around for 20 years, folks. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the hospital experience. Now it's time to go see a specialist. You've got to have a baby. Let's say, let's just make a labor and delivery. That's the most common surgery out there. What does one of your employees have to go through now to go get that handled um, with Rachel, your model? Uh, well, it normally, well, deliveries are, are treated a little bit differently. Can we move to maybe a personal experience that Charlie had? You want to maybe talk about like at Azalea and talk about how we facilitated the appointments and you didn't have to go through the normal system? Yeah, so definitely uh, I, I, my personal experience is not through labor, <laughs> but, but it's been through some back problems. And, you know, and, and having back problems requires a lot of, uh, you know, an MRI and, and having to schedule that. Obviously, the cost that that's that's ridiculous when you don't have these pre pre um, determined plans and costs. It's amazing how much the, the price changes. But but just being able to coordinate through this primary care and saying, hey, go to this location, uh, tell them that you're with us, and uh, whenever they're ready to 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 charge, they call that primary care physician and they take care of that behind the scenes. So it's just a matter of me showing up. Hey, I'm here for my MRI. Um, you know, I go through that normal wait of that facility because that's that's a different facility. But once I go in, they take care of the MRI. Everything's sent back to the doctor. I mean, it's almost it's almost automatic. So it's it's a much more pleasant experience, you know, other than having to go through the back pain. Well, it sounds to me like uh, you've condensed the steps. I've actually, with my partner Yuri Teschler, broken down to go see a specialist in America today under the traditional old school plans, it's a 51 step, two step. So we have a Texas two step, now we have a 51 step specialist two step. And that 51 steps, it starts with a fax, 1973 technology, and it ends with you actually getting that back handled. And all the 51 steps in the middle have to do with co-pays and waiting and driving and waiting some more and driving some more and seeing people and then it's no wonder that only 50% of our referrals actually happen in care today because it's just too much trouble. It's a gigantic time suck. So Rachel, how has that been condensed now? Just can you give us a, a quick overview from your perspective? What is that? How does that handoff happen now to go see the, was it in this case, an orthopedist? Yeah. So, I mean, in East Texas, we know all the providers, we know somebody texts me, Hey, I need, um, my shoulder surgery repaired. I know exactly who I'm going to send them to. I know exactly how to get a hold. Of, and I say I, my team, the mouse in my pocket, obviously. Um, but you know, if if Charlie or if one of his employees needs any type of care, they know that 
with the direct primary care model, our, our team and the DPC team are 100% on board all day long back and forth. Hey, we need it. We have a new diabetic or, Hey, this guy did this. What incentive are we going to give them? So to me, when Charlie shows up and he needs a specialist, we reach out with the DPC clinic. Charlie's not on the phone or his assistant's not on the phone or his wife isn't on the phone trying to get the records, make sure they made it there and waiting a week to be seen by an orthopedic guy who needs to give him his back injections, right? He shows up, like he said, um, I text him most of the time and say, hey, just show up at 10 a.m. Here's where you go. He goes in, gets the care, can get back to work and, and you're done. And so I think you're right, you know, those 50, I actually would consider it about 150 steps if you knew everything that went behind the scenes um, leading up to that visit have now been condensed into to one, Charlie showing up to get the care that he needs and then going back to work. And there's no more surprise bills. There's no more out of network billing because there is no coding and there's no billing with, with the primary care side. But on this other side, that's all paid by the employer. So the contracts are negotiated ahead of time, even when the complications are negotiated ahead of time. So you're not going to have, you know, pay $76 for an aspirin or $120 for a piece of toilet paper. You're going to basically be getting everything you need ahead of time contracted. So this, this direct contracting and not only flows to the doctors and the pharmacy we've talked about already, but it flows to the surgeons and the hospitals too, doesn't it? Correct. Well, and, and even when there is, you know, let's just say again, we're, we're dealing with these other clinics, these, these other employees, and there's going to be human error on that side of it because they're, they're having to manage so many different uh, plans. Even when there is human error and they do code it incorrectly and there is, you know, some overbilling, it isn't the, the experience that now that's on me, that's on my family, we go, you know, we get turned into collections. It's, you know, it's addressed. We, we give it back to our consultant, Rachel and her team, and they go in there and they re-educate that, uh, that administrator on, this is the way you need to code it, this is the way you need to turn it in. And um, along that it follows the, the proper procedures and it gets taken care of. So it's not this headache of, oh my gosh, we're in collections. So Charlie, 70% of your employees and my employees, in fact, all of America are making less than $20 an hour. And these are folks that can afford maybe a $400 premium, but they can't afford a, co a deductible or a copay. And so really only 80% of Americans are functionally uninsured. The other 20% are in what I call the country club of care. And it's a good life, but the 80% that can't afford to go see a doctor, um, it's a shame. Are, are now more of your employees able to afford to go see a doctor because they don't have any premium copay or deductible? Yes. A hundred percent of my employees are, are able to do that. And, you know, we don't segregate, we don't separate the plan. We don't make it a VIP version for me and my executive team versus the others. We all, we all are on the same plan. They all have, they all get the same level of care. And, and again, I, I design everything with, with my lowest pay, paid employee in mind, because we want them to feel that they're taken care of. You know, regardless, you know, they're eventually gonna grow and evolve in the company and make more money. But when they first start out, they are gonna be a $12, $15 employee. And it takes some steps to get on, get on up, but they're all gonna get the, what I would consider a, a VIP uh, healthcare plan. So folks, um, there's nothing that grates my teeth more than when I see really brilliant people in healthcare talking about we need to, or we got, or we have to. And Rachel, I know you feel the same, but um, we don't need to have more transparency. We need more Rachel means out there because there is transparency when you bring a broker and advisor, a, a contractor, an engineer, an architect, all in one human body 
that can transparently um, not only price the care out there, but their own fees. We don't need more less burnout for doctors. We don't gotta have to have more burnout. We have less burnout with direct primary care in Tyler, Texas and throughout the rest of the country with about 2000 doctors and it's growing fast. We don't need to gotta have to have less surprise billing. We have no surprise billing with this model. So Rachel, do you agree with me that a lot of the things people think we need to gotta have to have are, are solved by you and your solution? And Charlie, would you agree with her? Yeah, Ron, I think you're right. You know, we, we've all been waiting on uh, some type of solution to come to the market for a long time. And, you know, when you get tired of that model that, that just is a vicious cycle of insanity, um, let's increase deductibles to lower our costs, it doesn't work. So when you jump ship and you um, start digging through the actual data and you can find the transparency yourself, it's only going to help your block of business and your clients as well. So um, I think you're right. I think we can't sit around and wait for um, a government solution uh, for healthcare. We're not there, and I don't foresee us getting there any, anytime soon. So I um, absolutely agree with that statement. Well, uh, and obviously the, 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 the obvious answer is I would agree with Rachel, but I'd also like to add that as a CEO, you have to be engaged. You have to, you have to be all in on this model and communicate to your employees. A lot of CEOs, you know, they, they just kind of categorize some, some of their expenses as out of sight, out of mind. I'm not worried about that. I think that the CEOs that are truly operating on taking care of their employees and looking at the bottom line, they're going to have to be engaged in this in order to partner with somebody like Rachel. So I had Paul Johnson on my show um, many shows ago who was a drywall contractor working in this model in Arizona. And he has about 1,000 to 2,000 employees, depending on the seasonality of the home building. Um, I said, I'm going to ask you the same question, Charlie. Could you ever see yourself going back to the old model again for any reason whatsoever? <laughs> no, not, not at all. I can never see myself going back to that. There's just so, you have the ultimate control on under this model. Why would you want to give that up? Well, and I think, Ron, there's a saying that um, I've had a couple of clients. It's funny, you know, when you know what you know, it's hard to unknow it. And once you figure out the shenanigans that happen behind the scenes and where all the money is buried between the ultimate payer, which is not an insurance company, the payer is the employer group. And once you open their eyes to that and show them the transparency that they can have, how are you supposed to go back to, to being, you know, put the blindfold on? I think it's impossible. Yeah, you can't unmake that bed. Um, I'm going to make a statement, Rachel. Um, I can tell you Clint Flanagan, who's been on the show with uh, Nextera Health, has 100% renewal rate. He's the largest DVC in the country with 60 locations and well over 100 docs. He's scaling this with school districts, with uh, high-tech employers, municipalities and school districts. And um, I know that your renewal rate is not as 100%, is more like 105% because, again, once you get in with Rachel, it's hard to go back to the old. In fact, it's impossible to go back to the old. That's why, Charlie, you laughed. It's because I can't imagine ever trying to hire an employee again with a you know $500 deductible and a giant copay and a ridiculous amount of care that gets uh, pre-authorized and that gets basically shifted to the to the risk gets shifted away from the insurance company. I can't see that. But that it's almost like uh, getting served old turkey at Thanksgiving. Nobody wants that anymore. It's old. That's that's that doesn't taste good. That doesn't smell good. <laughs> So let's talk about this new, super exciting, I don't know if we're making an announcement on the air or not, but I think there's something being created that has never been created in America before that I'm aware of. And we're going to call this a community health plan. And this is where the local businesses in Tyler 
and the county and the city are all getting together to build and own their own care center, their own hospital. Am I right, Rachel? Yeah, something something to that effect. You know, we're not quite there yet, but the, the first step is getting the employer groups locally to communicate and, and talk about the transparency in healthcare. Um, it's amazing to me how a community with all these local private-owned employer groups, government-funded groups, they don't communicate, they communicate about roads and bridges and, and fiber and, and water, but they don't communicate about their healthcare plan. It was incredible when I moved out here. And so really getting everybody to where they're communicating, hey, what are you doing in your healthcare plan? Hey, what are you doing? And, you know, Charlie, they're in Gilmer, Texas out in Upshur County. And I was introduced to the county out here that was just hemorrhaging money on their self-funded plan. And so really getting, you know, ETEX, the county, the city, everybody just on board to just have a discussion about, hey, bringing local community healthcare back here is what's going to save the employer groups. And we've been very successful for the last couple of years at opening the door to even discussing that and getting everybody, you know, semi on the same model. Um, it's just been very eye-opening that, again, communities don't have these discussions between the largest employers. So I think that's really important to look at um, community by community, especially in our, in our state of Texas that is very uh, local friendly and uh, keep it local type of mentality. You and I were on the a phone call yesterday morning with a gentleman who's a very wise and savvy businessman. And um, we were in his family wealth office and he said, well, this is a great idea, but it'll probably only work in small town America. This isn't gonna work in a big city. What do you think about that? Um, I think small town America is, is very easy uh, because you know you do have that locally owned mentality. I think you know when you get in the major metropolitan areas, Houston, um, Dallas, you know, essentially in Houston, I lived there for 16 years, you can drive 90 minutes and still be in Houston. <laughs> so um, it's doable. I think, you know, you'd have to have a couple of the large employer groups pull together first and talk about, you know, the locality, the ge geography of where you put a, a deep clinic, but it's doable. There are people doing it um, in the smaller suburbs of, of the, the big metroplexes. I just think that the, uh, the more, you know, local communities that support local are um, are susceptible to that model. And, and plus, th let's think about it. Rural America, they're the ones that are hurting the most when it comes to healthcare. When you have a twenty-eight to $35,000 a year employee that has a $3,500 to $6,000 deductible, they're effectively uninsured. So, um, you know, I just think it's it's uh, the the easiest model would be in the, the smaller communities in my opinion. So can you imagine, Charlie, you're sitting in a room with a CEO with a company with not a hundred, not a thousand, but a hundred thousand employees, is there any reason they should not go to this type of a plan? Is there some hitch in the get along we're not talking about that they should be aware of? No, there's no reason why they shouldn't go to this type of a plan. Again, I think that sometimes those executives may have, may have a lot more blurred vision because their focus is elsewhere. Uh, but if they really pull back the curtains and see, you know, where, where, what the opportunities are, there's no, there's no reason why they shouldn't move, move forward with this type of plan. So just to keep the math simple, Rachel, if somebody has a $15,000 spend in their healthcare, which is pretty typical in America today for a single employee, um, a third of that is $5,000. Can they take their thousand employees times 5,000 and do the math that that's a $5 million savings? Is that about right? Correct. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right, so if I have a 10,000, that's obviously $50 million savings and a $500 million savings if I have a 10X of that. Well, and, and Ron, that, with that math, you can also add that you're, you're putting extreme amounts of money back into your employees' pockets. So yes. I think that's, that's one of the biggest pieces that I've learned that a CEO 
wants to hear is that, hey, we haven't had more than a two to 5% raise in three or four years. And now all of a sudden we've got a bucket of money that we can share with the employees, which is what Charlie does. And that's why the culture at his company is just so incredible. Um, you know, again, when you show up to the Christmas party and people want to hug you because their healthcare is so great, I just point to Charlie and make them go hug him because of COVID, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell Charlie, leave me alone. Hey, yeah. um, I got to tell you, so Commonwealth Fund did a study of the actual raises that people have gotten in the last, I don't know if it was 11 or 17 years. I'm a little dyslexic on that number, but I think the average employee has seen zero increase in their wages because healthcare and inflation has taken everything away from them that they've gotten. Yeah, correct. I mean, when you give them a, a three to five percent raise um, for the year, but then your their healthcare deductions are going up twenty percent, and their deductibles effectively going up fifty percent over three years. Do the math; it's very simple. Yeah. All right. Well, this was, as I said, the most important interview I've ever done because this interview can literally change lives. It can give people raises. It can solve a lot of retention and attraction problems for us employers. But most importantly, this really saves America because it brings healthcare back to direct contracting and it gets rid of all of the fluffy middle that's costing us about a trillion out of a $3.8 trillion spend, at least a trillion, maybe more. Have you ever played with those numbers, Rachel, and figured out how much money we're wasting in healthcare because of this gigantic uh, administrative burden? I, are there any other states other than Texas, Ron? I don't know. No, um, but no. I, uh, I have played around with it definitely with the state of Texas, especially the government-funded health plans. Um, that's a big deal in the waste. Um, and I'm not going to go into specifics. Uh, but yes, I have played around with it in Texas. And you know, on the, the government-funded municipality and school district health plan, there's about 40% overspend, and we're cost-shifting to our teachers. Um, which is, a, a, in my mind, a tragedy. Um, you're, you're shifting costs and not giving increases in wages to the people that are supposed to be educating our children. Um, and that's a problem. Yeah, this is bankrupting schools. It's bankrupting cities, counties. Labor unions are upset. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of people marching on streets in America right now and maybe a week from now in this posts, we'll still have people marching in America. I think the anger is this country club of haves and have-nots. And it's not doesn't have to be that way. When you work for ETEX or any of Rachel's employers, the country club is everyone. The CEO and the doc worker are in the same clinic getting their treatment. It's no special, there's no special deals. That's the beauty of this whole model. So Rachel, we've invited you on a couple of more shows. We, like Saturday Night Live, give a bathrobe to someone who's been on three shows and you'll be All there right. in a few weeks. <laughs> so uh, we, have, we have two guests that have hit that number and um, we're looking forward to meeting some of your other friends that have done a really... Um, highly successful job in turning this machine you've turned on into a new movement that's really uh, changing America. Rachel, how can people find you if they want to uh, get in touch? Drive to Tyler, Texas. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can go to my website, www.ebctx.com. Um, all of our information is posted there. And I'm on LinkedIn, Rachel Means. Um, follow me there. I've got some pretty good case studies I put out weekly. Yeah means is just like it sounds like. And then if you could fly a banner over America with one message, what would your message be? Oh gosh, banner over America. Healthcare is not scarce and expensive. You just have to dig through it. Charlie, how about you? How's your banner looking? Man, uh, the, the banner would be, it's, it's all about the employees. You know, just take care of your employees. And if that's what your focus is, then you, will, you would migrate to somebody like Rachel. Very good. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Ron. 
Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Rachel. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.